Good morning. Welcome. Happy, joyful Thanksgiving. Hopefully, everybody took some time to give thanks, which is always right to do. We'll go ahead and get started. Um, this is the psalm that just kept coming back to me. I spent a lot of time outdoors the past few days, just taking it all in, all the beauty of this creation and all of its variation. And it's interesting, you know, because in a way, obviously, since God created it all, puts himself on display in it, um, how much it reveals of him. And, you know, it's, if you look, you know, carefully at all, you'll be in awe, right? You'll experience wonder, all the beauty, yet it goes so deep, right? Like one leaf, one piece of pine straw. Like if you can just really focus in the complexity of it all, it's like infinitely deep. And uh, that is something I've learned through this ministry, the proverb about God concealing a thing and the king searching it out, that we really do have to be willing to allow our spirit, our heart, and our mind to focus in, to go deep if we really want to experience everything the Father has for us. And we get a chance to do this shortly now in this worship and to potentially for all of us, regardless of where we are on this journey, to experience some uncertainty, some distractions of ourselves, maybe others, um, some discomfort, right? But yet we have this opportunity to just stay with it, to keep our eyes on the Father, to let Him brighten up our hearts and our minds and call us in, because no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how, how uncomfortable it may feel, it's love. We're being invited into love, a love that's hard for us to understand. And for anything in this world, and especially human beings, there is no growth without stress. There's no growth without experiencing discomfort. We cannot become who we're supposed to be by just trying to be comfortable all the time. And learning to embrace discomfort, learning to know, learning and understanding, that's how God can grow us spiritually, but also how our human bodies can actually become their healthiest selves. It's very important. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and make it, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. And it continues, but that's all I wanted to read. The sun doesn't hold back. It doesn't say, oh, I'm too bright, I'm too hot. You know, I'm gonna have to be, kind of moderate myself a little bit or I'll make people uncomfortable. We shouldn't hold back either, right? Um, the sun, I don't know how God does all these things with heavenly beings, but I don't think the sun has a spirit. 
but we do, right? So if the sun can be bright and hot, then we should be able to be even brighter and hotter. So thank you guys. is the birth a welcome to the one who has been born you've showed up to a birthing a birthing of the manifest glory of the Lord Hannah prayed and she said my heart is rejoicing in the Lord. My horn is exalted high because of the Lord. I loudly denounce my enemies, for I am happy because I know that you've already delivered me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is none other than you, Lord. There is no rock. There's no rock like our God. She says, don't keep speaking so arrogantly and letting proud talk come out of your mouth. It's the Lord God who knows. And he evaluates everything that we do. The bows of the warriors are shattered. But those who stumble, they find their strength will be reinforced. 
And those who walk and are well fed hire themselves out for their earning food, but the hungry no longer will lack. Even the barren woman gives birth to seven. But the one with many children withers away. The Lord is the one who gives and takes life. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord impoverishes and makes wealthy. And he humbles and he exalts. He lifts the weak from the dust. He raises the poor from the ash heap to seat them with princes and to bestow on them an honored position. The foundations of the earth belong to the Lord and he has placed the world on them and he is watching now over the holy ones. The wicked are made speechless in the darkness. It's not one's own strength that one will prevail. The Lord shatters his adversaries. He thunders against them from the heavens. The Lord executes judgment to the ends of the earth and he will strengthen his king and exalt the power of his anointed one. And Elkanah went back home to Ramah. But the boy was serving under the supervision of Eli, the priest. And the Lord had an idea that he would overthrow a defunct priesthood, a priesthood of immorality and pretension a priesthood of dishonesty and a lack of integrity, a priesthood that didn't honor the Lord with their whole hearts. And he saw that little boy Samuel one day was going to go and pour a vial of oil on a little shepherd boy in the middle of a sheep field. And God saw that he would raise up something for his own glory that would honor him. And out of Bethlehem, out of a few shepherds and a few kings, God would become men. This is This is the one, this is the one we honor. This is the one we adore. I say praise you, Lord. All you faithful ones in this house. Give praise and honor to our King. I give you glory, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. We know you're with us, Lord. Your sweet spirit is here now. 
Let the earth burst at the seams with praising now. Let the praises loudly ring, hidden bell, let it ring now. Let the earth burst at the seams with praising now. Hit a bell and let it ring out. Let this earth burst at the seams and let praises flow down. Let this temple burst at the seams and let praises flow out. Rise up. 
these light afflictions that we bear cannot compare to the promise that you gave. Therefore, we don't look at what we see. We gaze beyond and hope, expectantly. You are faithful to complete this work you began. us back to rest in you again and even though these sorrows seem to last and end this night over the horizon the darkest clouds are breaking Son of righteousness is rising. Son of righteousness is rising with healing in his wings. Son of righteousness and his rising. The Son of righteousness, he is rising with healing in his wings. Rest upon us like morning dew, settling on everyone who chases after you. You are changing us to the image of your Son. Sorrows seem to last an endless night over the horizon and the darkest.
If you're dealing with any kind of pervasive uh, joint-related issues in your body, if, if you just raise your hand, if you're having joint issues like locked-out joints, raise your hands high if you're having joint issues. Um, if you see someone raising their hand, if they're having joint problems, you just go uh, lay hands on them. Okay, raise your hand, and if you see someone that's raising their hand, we just go lay hands on them, pray for them. Like the locking up of joints or any joint related joint mobility issues okay, you receive your healing now thank you Lord thank you Lord
And I am yours and 
and I am yours, and you are mine, and I am yours, you are mine, and I am yours. Whoa! 
loved me first <laughs> You have always loved me first And I can only love you Because you, you have loved me first
is this coming out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved shoulder Leaning on her beloved shoulder, relying on the blood of the kinsman redeemer. Bought and paid for.
the will that you've done cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had once set down oh ancient of days walk again in the garden of my Nakedness, fear of man, it cannot hide from your voice. Spit like a veil, the heavens lay your head down here with us. Bring us unto your threshing floor, where it's you who lives, not us. All we are for you, and it's all for you. All we are is for you. Pour out your praise and spend it all in His presence. He will respond and know. And his love is reaching, our praise is calling. says I'm reality I'm reality in life I'm truth I'm the way the truth and the life all you are weak and heavy laden come to the Lord and find rest I'm the reality I am the reality says the Lord I am your reality. Oh, we ask you, Lord, break out in this room. Have your way, Lord. Have your way with us, Lord. We call it upon you. We say your reality, Lord. There's none other one like you, Lord. None like you, Lord. None like you, Lord. us break out Lord in our midst just call on the name of the Lord call on his name call on the name of the Lord 
Lord and you will be saved. from whence cometh your help say it my help comes from the Lord my help comes from the Lord my help comes from you Lord maker of heaven and earth my help comes from you Lord from you oh Lord maker of heaven maker of earth there is no one above or beyond you you own eternities on eternities oh maker of heaven and maker of earth shake the world's very foundations hope is in you and only in you forgive me when I fall to my hope is in you and only in you my hope is in Hear me from the Lord. Psalms 110.1. Here is the Lord's proclamation to my Lord. Sit down at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What you're experiencing in this event that we're in right now. Is a believing in your own heart and a trustment, a moving of your own heart that says, no matter what my circumstance is or whatever I'm facing, I'm transferring my trust over to you. I've been here so many times. I've been backed into a corner so many times, not knowing how am I gonna go through. And I gotta tell you, it's real what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, the emotion and everything, it's a real thing. And it comes and it tries to tell you something about something else. It wants to give you a different version of a reality and tell you that the reality is what I'm experiencing. It could be health, it could be finance, it could be relationships. It wants to bring in all this judgment and concepts but what I've learned is, I've learned this from the Lord, that that's my enemies. They're trying to play into my consciousness and show me something that is not reality. And I have found 
that when this pressure comes that you're experiencing that if I will just lift up my eyes and I will transfer my gaze not as a spectator no don't come here being a spectator come here if you have to close your eyes to enter into the very presence of the Lord and listen to what it says and this is for you today you want to see the reality of heaven on earth you must move beyond this barrier the Lord trains us this way he wants our eyes fixed on him and it's always always I've watched this thousands of times that when the church begins to praise the Lord and enter in uh, victory is declared over your life uh, whatever you're facing the Lord will meet you in whatever it is and so like right now you want to take the initiative now to move in with the Lord you you know some of us sometimes you have to stand up from sitting down sometimes you have to sit down from standing up but there's something in your soul that just says I'm gonna transfer my trust over to you right now and you know what happens all the enemies become your footstool they can't run your life they have no power over you because Jesus is the keeper of the covenant and it's his covenant he keeps it's not your covenant that you keep it is given to you by the grace of the Lord and so we appeal to the graciousness of our King not in what I can do or what I have done this based in guilt and shame but who he is and you know what happens I begin to declare the praises of the Lord and I move oh, I move into him and then you know what comes out of your mouth Psalms 110 2 the Lord will extend your dominion rule you want this problem solved this is the only way that God instituted for Israel to deal with it when Jehoshaphat had all the armies coming against him what did he do he got down on his knees and he began to praise the Lord they sent out the worshipers oh it was real Ammon's coming against them Edom's coming against them Moab's coming against them what to slaughter them he begins to praise we're not going to miss an opportunity right now in this house for reality for you and for this nation oh the Lord extends your dominion from Zion rule let the government come of the Lord rule in the midst of your enemies don't let your enemy get the best of you because Jesus already has prevailed and it's already done
found it when I got serious with the Lord and I got in this quiet place like now. And I just said, Lord, I know that you're the victor. I know that you have it, Lord. I don't control my destiny. That you're mine, Lord, you're mine, and I'm yours. deeps of my soul deep down deep take a deep breath take a deep breath in breathe in breathe out You got it, Lord. You got me, Lord. I am yours and you are mine. Oh, take over me, Lord. Come in. Everything to you be the glory and the honor. You're the king. Dominion is ours in war. Come. And ask the Lord to feel you. Mm. Light, 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 come forth, light, break forth. Come, Lord, let your glory come. Let your glory come and fill this house, Lord. Declare. Let the word of the Lord rise up in your mouth and declare the praises of the Lord. Reach down deep. The breakthrough is here. The breakthrough is here now.
Back down, I won't be dismayed. His word is true, hide it in your hearts. The city's ours, let's start Down, I won't be dismayed. This word is true, hide it in your hearts. The city's ours, let's start to march. Seven times around. Sometimes we're lost, sometimes we're found. Get out, get out. Oh. 
Open up. 
to say what it is you've been saying, to believe what it is you've been speaking. Open our voice, open our voice to say what it is we're hearing, what it is you're saying. day or the second day it didn't seem like an immediate response to their obedience in fact on the seventh day you have to do so much more walk around over and over and over and over and over and over well open your
Watch us ascend and rise to the King Down like a pillar of fire All eyes will see, all ears will hear That we know where to hide Open your mouth
light I'm the light of the world I'm the radiance of the Father I am the radiance of the glory I am, I am, I am I'm the light sparkler I am the bright and morning star oh. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? stand at the door and knock. Quickly, 
the spirit and the bride says come now come Lord said to me, I want you to preach now. So I, I'll do whatever he says. Amen. Kara just sent this to me. I thought I'd read it so you Come to my city, my town, my neighborhood, my house. Come to me, come to my heart, my life. Walk inside. Look around with the holy love that is always in your eyes. Do what you do when you come. Turn everything upside down. Turn me inside out so I can see clearly and run to you for shelter from my own ugliness and shame. 
Come lift my hanging head so I can see that you love me still. Come let me see myself reflected in your gaze of love that makes me lovely. Come transform me, refine me, purify me in the fire of your holy love. Fill my aching soul with your love and gentleness and power. Come, let me live surrendered to you, surrounded by you, inspired with you. Come and let your life flow through my veins. Thank you, Wendy, uh, this morning. You know, um, the words, he said, be sensitive to her. Uh, as I'm moving on her and, do, and, and don't you move, don't you move, don't you grieve me. And I say, yeah, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm not gonna grieve you. Let me, let, me, uh, let me shine, let my Holy Spirit shine. Let me just come right now. And don't hold back. And as you can tell, we have so many distractions. When we crossed over today, I knew that we had been distracted by so many things. You know what I'm saying? I knew that so many things were trying to vie for our attention. Maybe legitimate things, even some illegitimate things, but that there's just another place in him. And and then as we crossed over, and I don't know what your experience is, but I can say for myself that as I lost uh, this room, I, I lost this room, I lost every heart I was feeling in here, yours. But I do love you. I feel this love to love you and to take care of you. But even that, I feel that for Melinda, I was like, get her, Lord, because he's got you and you're his and I, I feel it. And then he says, don't you want to come on with me? And I thought, won't you come across and hang out with me and forget the room? Can you forget the room? And it's got so many different aspects to the room. And we have so many different things that could distract us. And yet love is pulling us across. Love is drawing us into him. And he's saying, don't be distracted. Let a singular vision of me become your all-compassing desire that you would just see me. And then I knew it and I was pulled across. And you were too, I pray. You can't see yourself and you can't see others to come across to him. You can't see the distractions. You have to be, know that he sees you. He's saying like this, come to me. Come, come up to me. Yes, ma'am, or you want to say something? Hey. Um, I can't hear you. Uh, Steve, will you give her that mic? So we can hear this in the recording because a lot of other people are listening uh, so what's happening in this room in a lot of different places. Uh, go ahead and tell us your name. I am Linda Jacobson. 
Hello, Miss Jacobson. Friends of the Nolans, and um, I wanted to say to you, you came to the microphone, and God said to me, tell him I was supposed to watch your hands on your hips. You came to the microphone, and you put your hands on your hips like you had something to say. And he said to me, tell him he has everything that he needs to, to open his mouth. I, w I was hesitant to go and say what he told, was telling me, but you just gave me permission, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> and so I really felt like what the message was, was when you stepped to the hands on hips here, meaning that you have something to say. Mm. Whether you delivered or not is between you and God. Mm. But he knows he puts everything in you that's supposed to come forth, whether we're supposed to, whether we're going to cross over with you or not. But he gives you everything, everything, Carol. And I really expect when you said you were yelled, you got it, you had a message. We all had a message this morning. Same one. You know, open your mouth and shout. And you did. Mm. And where you went from there is, is, you know, we're all here. We're all here with God and you, and, and it was wonderful. But anyway, I wanted to be able to, to express myself, and I heard you say that. It was okay to express yourself here, and um, mm. I thank you for that. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay. Let's put up the next, that screen. There we go. I do have something to say, Miss Jacobson. I have a lot to say, actually, today. I've been up since early this morning. I've been under a lot of encounters this week from the Lord. Woke up in the middle of the night, many nights, with this word that I'm tasked to deliver today. And so I'm going to begin. Today is X2M 114. It's called Star Child X. Today is the introduction and the introductory structure to Zechariah. Zechariah, I had no idea. And I don't know how many of you have taken that Old Testament text and really just begin to examine it. But I want to say that I had literally had no idea the profundity that's inside of Zechariah and what the Holy Spirit had tasked him with in the in the realm of that book. And it's going to take us some time to go through it because it is very highly extensive. And I'm going to do my best not to make everybody have a brain meltdown. <laughs> but I do, I do feel and know from the Lord that he wants me to bring this out in this hour. And it's very important to him because he's made, I bet you I've had 15 encounters with Jesus this week double proof, triple proof connotations, peering into the other side, seeing him with different aspects and knowing him in a way I've never known him. Up early in the mornings, woke up in the middle of the night, the Lord's speaking to me. I'm bringing something online right now in this hour that is unprecedented. And I believe that. I believe what he's saying. And so what I wanna uh, begin to unfold or attempt to unfold, Lord help me, is that Acts 3.21, which many of you know this, preached by Peter, he says, he's coming to the conclusion of his message, he's saying, hey, 
right out of Pentecost, he, he has something to say. And so he makes this one statement that's very, um, <clears throat> all right, I'm warming up now. Get in me and take over me. <laughs> now, yeah. Uh, Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. If you understand this, Jesus is under a retainer, a legal retainer by the Father that he cannot come back until, until all things are restored. And so there's this restorative process that has to happen. And, and I, I believe this from the Father that the, the Father is looking for a qualitative fullness to happen within the church in this end times of his character in life in us. The full image, his full image restored uh, to the church. And he's looking for, the father is, is saying, until I see another one that looks just like my son on the earth, qualitatively, meaning that he has my image and he has my likeness, when I see that on the earth, even if it was just one person, I'm going to let my son out of, reten out of retention. He's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come down. And this was the reality that was been explained to me. God's looking for equality. And yet, you know, there's many passages about this, but I asked the Lord this morning, I said, what do I say? He said, well, you know, tell your origin story, and I'm going to do that as quickly as I can, but back 18 years ago, I'm flying jets for the U.S. Air Force. We're doing simulator flights for the, over the Gulf of Mexico with, uh, you know, closing aircraft, doing high-speed maneuvering to lock up other aircraft with AIM-9s and AIM-7s and all that stuff, uh, and I was in the middle of that, and I woke up given a dream, a spiritual dream. That next morning, I was, I'm tasked to go fly the simulator to do air-to-air -air closures. I'm about to finish my whole course and be winged an Air Force weapon system officer. I've never had a spiritual dream before, and in this dream, and some of you have heard this story, but the Lord said, tell it again, because it'll apply to the restoration of all things. And so in, in that, I, I find myself in a little church. And I remember looking down at the boards right under me. They were like yellow locusts, tongue and groove. And if you know anything about old wood, that wood over time will season and it'll cup sometimes or crown. And I remember looking down at the wood and it was cupped. And in the tongue and groove, if you've ever put in or worked with wood, that cupping had created like a gap, a small, like I'd say a two millimeter gap. And I looked down in the gap and I remember it so clearly that the gap had nothing in it. Now, any of you that have cleaned houses or have, have taken care of anything, you know that dust is going to feel uh, cracks in a floor like that. It was spotless. And I, in a dream, I'm looking down, I was like, this church is spotless. It's clean. And I was down on one knee looking down and then I'm putting the lid down on a white box. And so to my left was like, one of those old windows like this, you know these windows? It goes down about 12 inches off the floor. I look out the window, I see a green grass, green grass like meadow, and I see a hedgerow of trees running, I guess you would say perpendicular to me as I'm facing out the window. You know what I mean by perpendicular? Like this. Okay, and then out of my left-hand eye, I see this man, and he's probably 
10 feet tall. And he's walking down that hedgerow of trees like real resolute, like this, you know. And um, now I'm looking forward to walking off this stage and walking in the air. It's testing me still, but it's coming. <laughs> It'll be like, check that out. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's going to happen one day. Just walk on air. But anyways, and so he's walking in front, walking aside. And in my emotions, in the dream, I'm immediately struck with terror. It wasn't. I was scared. I was terrorized inside. Uh, one of the problems was somehow, I don't know how, being an aviator, I don't know how I was the pastor of this little church. But I knew that I had to defend the congregation against a hostile force that was coming against God's house. And so I went out the front to meet this man. And I had my head down and I come up to him and he comes around the corner and meets me. And that's one of those little white churches that dots our you know, all over America, the Methodist build them, Presbyterian build them, you know, the Baptist built these, you know what I'm talking about with the little potbelly stove in the back that kept everybody warm, that, that little church? It was one of those. I come out the front and I had my head down and I saw his abdomen, his abdomen was like this wide and he's ripped. And I thought, well, I'm gonna give it all I got, you know. And I hit him as hard as I could. I mean, as many times as I could until I exhausted myself. And after being completely wore out, I just put my head down, take the blow, hit me in the crown of my head, dive me into the ground, he's gonna kill me. And I knew it, I was a dead man. And when I say I was terrorized, I can't express that emotion to you. Ah! You know, I don't know what to do to get it out. <laughs> I was terrorized. And so I remember what my dad said. He said, you have to look a man in the eyes when you talk to him. And it hits me in my dream, and I was like, oh, no, i got to look this guy right in his eyes. Because, you know, there's truth when you look at a man in his eyes. Or a woman, you know, hey, I'm telling you the truth. You know, if you dive down to the left or the right, you might be hiding something. Or you might not want to look at somebody because you're a skeptic or whatever. There's all kind of reasons that we don't just look somebody right in the face. Now, I knew, man, I had to look at this guy, so I slowly lift up my head. And he's, like, way up there. He looks down at me. And I see the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. They were like glistening fire with diamonds in them. Diamonds and fire do not give justice to his eyes. Most beautiful eyes. And what was different about the radiance of his eyes was they actually express a full emotion through them at the exact same time. I mean, truly, the eye is the window of the soul. Well, you ought to look in the soul of God. And I'm looking up at him. He knows my whole person, everything I've ever done, thought, conceived of. I know it all in the space of just like a second. He knows the beginning of my life, the end of my life, and outside of that. And I knew it, that he knew me. And he looks at me and he says, I'm the Holy Spirit. I was like, I thought you were a little bit more weaker. than <laughs> You know, I had a different picture. You know, people like pour out the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? This guy's absolutely terrifying. You know, the feminine aspect of the Godhead, you don't want to mess with a woman. <laughs> I mean, the feminine attribute of the Godhead in the Holy Spirit is, was terrifying. You know, what do they say about the scorn of a woman? I mean, you, you know, an hour of a lady, you don't mess with her babies or anything. I mean, she'll... It's worse than a man. He'll like talk to you. Okay, you know, we need to work something out. Or he might hit you, but I mean, <laughs> you 
and it's, it's a deal, man, with a lady. You mess with something that she loves or someone she loves, it's over. Well, this Holy Spirit, he was terrifying. And he's, he's highly sensitive, but also terrifying. And he says to me, I'm the Holy Spirit. Go forth and show my love or demonstrate me and my love and tikkun alam. I wake up from the dream. I'm like, oh, what is going on? You know, and I go to the Google and in my kitchen, tikkun alam, type it in. Fast forward, it's 2018. That was 2003. Fast forward, 2018. I'm sitting at IHOP KC in Kansas City with uh, Carrie Merritt. And Carrie asked the Lord to make him like Moses. So the Lord says, hey, Carrie, go over to Israel, learn Hebrew, pastor a Messianic congregation. He pastors a Messianic congregation, I believe, for seven years. Then he loses his voice for seven years. Comes back to IHOP, Kansas City, gets put in the night watch. Now, I don't know if you know what that is, but they, they'll stay up all night praying and worshiping the Lord. Six months later, after all the affliction he's went through, the Lord begins to teach him the Melchizedek order. Just saying, what we're about is not for the uh, faint of heart. He learned Hebrew, led a messianic congregation, loses his voice for seven years. After six months of being in the night watch, the Lord begins to talk to him about what I'm attempting to bring out to you today. I'm just, there's a lot of weight in this message. And Carrie tells me in December 2018, I told him my origin story. He says, you know, Carol, what that means in the Hebrew? And I said, what? He said, it means to restore all things. And I mean, man, I was like, I'd never heard someone that had been to Hebrew University just kind of put it real straight like, like that. Do you see why this would be so important? Jesus is in a retainer under retention until tukun alam. It hasn't been able to change our course this whole time, and it will not until we see the Lord split the eastern sky. It doesn't matter what hell has played against us or what it will play against us or every hand the enemy's used against the company of the saints. We're not going to stop until that king comes back to this earth. Because that origin story for me is so real. It shook me so much. He said, leave your career, my six figures and all that stuff in my jet set ways and wanting to be that top 1% and come and follow me and I will school you in my ways. That is not an easy thing to go through, just saying. And so let's begin to expand the restoration because I need to show you this and I'll do my best to show you this and then what, what we're doing here this morning. So so one of the places we need to look at is Amos 9-11. Any of you familiar with that? Amos 9-11. Let's just look at it shortly. In that day, I will rebuild the collapsing hut of David. I will seal its gaps. I will repair its ruins. And I will restore it to what it was like in the days gone by. This will also be quoted in Acts 
by the apostle that in God's end time, he will raise up this fallen booth, uh, the fallen booth of David. Let me put it another way. The Lord is the chief monarch. He's, he's monarchical. He doesn't recognize a blue and red system. That's a judgment on a nation. It's a judgment. When God begins to raise up the tabernacle of David in a nation, he is doing it for the purpose of restoring a people to a proper governmental system or a governmental person that he is himself. And so in Amos 9.11, and I bring up verse 12 also, I know this is in short notice, but thank you all for doing this. As a result, they will conquer those left in Edom and all the nations subject to my rule. The Lord, who is about to do this? It's him speaking. <laughs> I, love, I love this. I'm like, oh, I, oh, I'm going to do it. The Lord's going to do it. That's one thing we learned uh, coming here 11 years ago. I was trying to do it. I saw, I had a revelation of all this. He told me he's going to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I, I, tried, I tried my best, my darndest to do God's will. I did everything I could to do it. Let me just tell you, the Lord's going to do it. <laughs> no man's going to do it. What he wants from us is just you do what I say to do, what I give you to do, and then I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll take care of everything. I've already paid for this. This is going to happen. And so let's go through something here. The key passage that's shedding light here, this Amos 9, 11, and 12 Amos's prophetic ministry took place in the middle of the 8th century BC. If Moses wrote the Torah about 1400 BC, then Amos wrote about six and a half centuries later. His perspective was decidedly post-Davidic, and his message was essentially judgment. At the close of the book, however, despite its overall message of judgment, a prophecy of hope is added, the one that we're going over, Amos 9, 11, and 12. This offer of consolation looks ahead to an eschatological period in that day when the Davidic dynasty would no longer be functioning. And so Amos is promising that God will raise up the fallen booth of David. This is not just a promise of restored dynasty, but is the coming of the son of David, the messianic king. Kaiser, uh, this is Walter Kaiser. I don't know, some of you know who Walter Kaiser is. He's an Old Testament scholar uh, with Gordon Conwell. Uh, used to be the president of Gordon Conwell. I, I think I was there when he was president for a little bit. He argues that the interpretation of this passage rests on the suffixes of three words in Amos 9-11, although they are not usually translated literally. So this is what I need to go into with you, and if you take notes, this is good. And we are going to have this eventually into a notation form where you can read it. I just haven't got there yet because most of what I'm getting from the Lord is like real-time fast, and I just haven't had time. We spend Thanksgiving week and 
but I'm going to give you some good robust notes to go over. And as this unpacks itself, we will. So the interpretation turns on um, these phrases and they're, they're broken places with a feminine plural suffix. His ruins with a masculine singular suffix and build it, which is a feminine singular suffix. The feminine plural suffix, their broken places, refers to two kingdoms that have been divided since the days of Rehoboam. Now, y'all are probably like, what are you talking about? And that's okay, because you're gonna get this. I taught it to my children. <laughs> and so this is the easiest way I know how to describe the restoration of the fallen booth of David. It comes in like four phases. So the restoration is not just, okay, go kick up a, a building, repair it, and then, okay, we're done. No, it has a complex four-part restorative process, okay? Because when I heard restore the booth of David in the last 10 years, I thought it was uh, just raise up night and day prayer out of Kansas City. And that's where my, my understanding was, is that is the restoration of the fallen booth of David, well, that's a component within our nation of the restoration of the fallen booth of David. Do you know why? Do you know why that IHOP KC that has 24-7 night and day prayer is in the center of the nation? Because that's where the Levites are, in the center of the nation. Now, if you could do this in your mind, and if you know the tribes and the way they're laid out, Judah is a car Zebulun, right? You've got uh, Dan Asher, Naphtali. You've got Joseph. It depends on which one you're looking at, Revelation, or if you're looking at the earlier. But you have Benjamin, and you have Joseph, and you have who else over there? You have Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh. But Ephraim's gonna be swapped out for Joseph. And in the southern kingdom, or the southern part, you have Gad, Reuben, and Simeon. And in the middle was who? The Levites. Why do you think in the middle of our nation as a part of the raising up the fallen booth of David, back years ago, God would task a man, Mr. Mike Bickle, and task him would raise up 24-7 in the center of our nation. Why? Because he's going to have night and day prayer in the center of our nation. Now here we are on the East Coast, on the Eastern side, and the Lord is calling for a restoration, but not of just priesthood, but royalty. He's going to have a royal family. It's a high priest king. It's a Melchizedek order. And so out of this area, he raises this work up. He's raised you up for this work. And so when you think about going back to the restoration of David's fallen booth, this is a way the Lord helped me to understand. First, his ruins. Back to Kaiser, he's saying that there's an emphasis on these particular words within this text. His ruins, God will begin to deal with the masculine singular. He's going to restore a place for himself. In the Hebrew, that word is makam. I may, may or may not be pronouncing it right. He's going to restore a place. 
makam, out of the uh, masculine singular. The Lord's going to begin to move to, and I believe, I believe really in families, begin to restore male headship and complementarian understanding within the family unit. He's going to deal with the bloodline within the families uh, because there's been broken bloodlines inside of our families and the Lord wants to, by his grace, by his work, he wants to heal that divided family units and bring a place in the local home where he begins to manifest himself among his people. Secondly, in Amos 9.11, now he will move from that, he'll move out from the local family and it says he will heal the broken places or the feminine plural. And what is this? He's gonna have a dwelling place. And many of you've read about this in the scripture uh, about God's dwelling place. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's called the miskanat. And what happened, what happened and, and what we've seen so much of is there's been a divided kingdom. What the Lord wanted to do is take the heads of families related to the tribes, restore those tribal heads, then bring them together and restore not just the tribal heads, but to restore what has been a divided monarchy and make a united monarchy. And so this happened in David's time. The 12 tribes come together and they unite and they say, we'll be as one. And this broken place or this broken place has been so characterized, uh, the church, there's been a brokenness in between these tribal motifs. Uh, you see it politically. You see it in the blue and the red. You see a divided kingdom. The blue would have mostly sided with the northern kingdom. The red would have sided with the uh, southern kingdom. And the Lord is, wants to heal the dwelling place that brings the blue and red together to make them a purple family, a royal family. So in this process of restoring the fallen booth, he has to have all 12 tribes must come together and unite as one. They must come under unification. And their hearts the only way this would ever work is they would have to be completely submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There would be no way because the, the division has been so coarse throughout our culture. It, is, it, it has been so, we've been so divided as a nation and we've been divided in the church. And you know, judgment must first come to the house of the Lord and judgment has come to this house to make us one and that nothing can get between us, nothing. Because I'll have, I'll have a united Davidic monarchy. I'm going to have a royal family. He's done with partying. I'm not saying the Lord doesn't have parties and have a good time. I'm just saying he's done with this political thing. It's over. And if you don't see it signaling on politics and economics and the religious system, it's signaling right now like you've never seen. The Lord is going to have a rise root movement, not a grassroot, but one that comes up out of the stump of Jesse and he's going to raise up a royal family. 
An Amos 9-11 family. I'm going to restore that fallen booth. And then on from there, and this is the, what is happening to us is forerunning into this right now. I'm going to bring you into my rest. You that are here now. Many of you here, and some of you that are not here right now, have been a part of the formation of the dwelling place of God to bring in what? A resting place. What we're experiencing this morning, what we're experiencing why we're here at seven-day Adventist, the seventh day of the second coming of the Lord, is God's looking for a place he can rest in his people. We were in here a couple Sundays ago, and I told you this, this whole room flashed and blinked into blue. I saw a whole new topography here I've never seen before. There was like little stuff sticking up and you know, when he came into my person, which I shared that, and Melinda can attest to it, when he came in and snapped himself in, into me, I had brand new eyes. I saw none of this was here. Heaven is another completely different reality. I saw, I saw, I saw it. It was like in the room. And I said, whoa, 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 what is that? And the Lord says to me, he says, call him into the millennium. I was like, he says, because you're already in there. You know, that messed with all our eschatology. He said, it's time for my people to cross over into the millennium. There is, a, I believe, a literal thousand-year reign. But there's a reality happening to us right now where Christ is so filling us and transforming our very molecular structure. It's happening in these events. He told me he said, you'll cross over, and that happened twice today, you'll cross over, you'll experience light, and that light's going to come into your being. I'm gonna transform what they call your junk DNA. It isn't, it's codable DNA. And I'm gonna cause your DNA to be able to begin to open your eyes to be able to appear into the heavenly reality and see it as it really presently is. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is now, and you have access now through Christ. Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. And this reality of God resting in us or tabernacling in us is upon us. It's upon us. And, and yes, there's few right now, but this thing will grow, and it'll be the most magnificent thing you've ever witnessed when the royal family and this nation's in the nation of the world rises because the morning star's rising in our hearts. <laughs> the Lord's going to have his rest. And he says, listen to this, he will build it. The masculine singular. <laughs> that, that's what it says in Amos 9-11 and the third one for the resting place. He will build it. He will build the resting place in us. I'm going to rest in you. And then on beyond that, the fourth one, I will glorify you. <laughs> a glorification is upon us right now. We're in a process in the seventh day of transfiguration. Oh, behold, we're gonna go into the eighth day of glorification. And so you can see the place, the dwelling place, the resting place, and the glory, the glorification of man. Why? That's the restoration of all things when man is glorified. This is the raising up of the fallen booth of David. 
It was way more complex than I thought. I've, I've got words like, I have to have a complete restored monarchy. I'm coming back for a people, my government's already set up. You know, when I was in the military, we have a general come on deck or come on board or come into our buildings, man. Everybody had to clean everything to absolute perfection. Man, you don't have a general coming in. They want everything just right. There's no complaining, there's no fussing. There's, whoa, attention to the guy who's coming in. Imagine this guy. This guy's a king, the king. I mean, all that stuff that we deal with, it doesn't mean anything. This king's coming back, and he wants, a, he wants his stuff in order. <laughs> you don't think he's like that? Oh, he is. He likes it to be just right. But he knows that we can't do it on our own. He knows that we're dust, and he loves us because he's a loving king, and he says, I'll take care of it if you'll just answer to me and you do whatever I tell you to do. And I'll bring this to pass. And so if you bring up that screen here, so you can see this. So what we're going to be working through in Zechariah is this. And what's going to happen over the weeks to come and as they ensue, this picture here, we're going to basically add the meat to it and the complexity of it as we go along. This is the most basic form I can give you right now. This pattern here, and I believe I have it right from the Lord, I'm a structure person, obviously, but I found this pattern in my reading of the back structure that sits in the back of Zechariah, and a portion of it is with the, the work of Meredith Klein and his work on Zechariah. And so, a couple things here, we'll look at this and then, you know, we'll close. And so, specifically... This is what is called a tetratip, a tetratipic, tetratipic. There's uh, four folding components, and that the, the four is the tetra, or you could call it a quad. Uh, but it's a this thing folds, and I, I don't know if you see what I see, but when I was having Lydia drew this for me, but when I had her drawing it for me, I noticed that at these folding points. You know, you could change this like this and come down like this and pull it together and you have an M. I believe you have a monarchical symbol. I also believe that what I'm revealing here from the Lord is also the butterfly. Uh, because he said you'll come out from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. And so this is like the wings of a bird or a butterfly or the symbol of something that takes flight. I also think that in this symbol, and it, it'll probably develop, that you have something of the picture of a crown uh, because this is this picture. Now, there are three components or sections here that I want to highlight uh, to you that he brings out in the structural framework. One of the things that is pointed out in Zechariah is there are, on this side, if you can, we didn't put this up. Oh, no, we did that these are the visions uh, called the night visions that Zechariah has, and over here is called the bearing of the glory. So there's two major components to Zechariah, the night visions and the bearing of the glory. So uh, that's, that's the component of the structure there. And then 
And then in these sections here of 3, 1 through 10, 6, 9 through 15, and 11, 1 through 17, they all get to basically uh, one component or one idea. You see, I've got some of this underlined, but the, the main idea is, is that Joshua in 3, 1 through 10 of Zechariah is going to typify the coming Messiah in his twofold office. He's the suffering servant who will undergo extreme humiliation to accomplish a priestly sacrifice for sin and then will experience the highest exaltation as the royal branch of David. Uh, this is a reference back to Isaiah 52 and 53 and also Jeremiah 23, 5 and 33, 15. And so in, you know this story of Joshua the high priest coming and then He's going to have dirty vestments on and then they're going to clothe him in vestments. He's going to go through what is, would be called an investiture or coronation ceremony. In these three sections, you will always see, or what you see typified here, is an investiture or coronation of a royal person. And so these become the hinges, as Klein calls them, of this uh, picture. And the rest of it will overlay off of them. And so... When you're looking at, some of you know Zechariah 6, 9, 13, I think it is. I'm going off of my memory here. But it says, and he shall be a priest upon his throne and a king upon his throne and the council of peace uh, shall be between them both. And so again, in, in these pictures, you're seeing a picture of high priest and kingship in, in all three of these. And he says in 6, 9 through 15, as the typological commissioning of the Messiah uh, is the union of him of both the royal and priestly offices. So is it, there's this union is happening here and this epitomization here of, of the union of priest and king. The prefigured branch will rebuild the temple. He says in an enterprise associated with the leg legitimization of kingship in the ancient Near East, and was a royal function in biblical tradition. And so there's a real theme of temple building that has to take place and a validation of his succession. He says um, th these two things. He will bear the glory and he will sit and rule on my throne. And so there's a, this picture here, again, of the priest-king prototype. Uh, later on in Zechariah 11, 1 through 17, again, this hinge passes, you'll, you're going to see there a royal uh, priestly figure uh, that's going to be evaluated in terms of gold and silver. I know this is a lot to take in, but uh, I'll try to give a little story here and then we'll get ready to close. Y years ago, I, I kept dealing with this conflict with a, a certain person. And I think in my own arrogance or whatever that I kept trying to posture myself in a position of, of, of professionalism. And they come from the other side of hands-on. And of course, I don't have any professional degrees. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you call a master's degree a professional degree, but I don't consider it to be one. It's not a PhD or an MD or a JD or whatever. It's not that. And I kept getting like, you know, like an edge that kept coming with that person. I couldn't understand what I was doing and what they were doing. And, you know, of course you get bothered when somebody insults you and you don't like the way it feels to be insulted. And so I stepped away from the process and I said, 
I said to the Lord, I said, man, what is going on? He says, stop evaluating yourself in light of the blue and white. And I, I said, what? What do you mean? He says, well, you know, y'all all have this economic thing going on with your white collar and your blue collar. He says, stop it. And I said, what? Evaluation. He said, why not try the gold and the silver? He said, you know, instead of this blue and red thing, why don't you just have purple? And I mean, he said it to me as plain as day. You're letting your evaluation in the school of men be among a lower thing that I don't even want you to be evaluating yourself by. I'm wanting to give you something so much more. And you're evaluating it based off your handshake and what you can bring to the table. And if you would let me run my evaluation, which trust me, <laughs> That thing's not as easy to go through than your own evaluation, what you can bring to the table, you know, what you can bring forward. But why not let me evaluate you according to silver and gold? Why not let me check you out according to that instead of checking you out in the school of men? And uh, as many as you know, and as many will know, you'll see the supremacy of that as you go on with the Lord that, I've been making an evaluation of myself. You know, my daughter, she said to me, Lydia, she says, I don't get it. I don't get why certain people are siding on this red and blue thing anymore. I said, well, honey, you've been raised in this house. She said, yeah, but there's just like this thing about this person and this person. We should get this person and this person and all this. She said, I'm sort of like don't understand it. And of course, I was glad to hear that. <laughs> It's like, does anybody see outside of all of this and just see the Lord? That our evaluation is not in that world, in that realm. We're not being evaluated according to that. The Lord's wanting to put, do something with us of the silver of redemption and the gold level with you. Let's all stand together. I feel like today I can't even say anything. I can't even describe what I want to say. I feel like I haven't even got started. There's so much material I have to offer, to give to you, but like there's so many different aspects and nuances of the scripture and oh, it's so beautiful and I just wanna hand it all out, but. And then I have to ask the Holy Spirit like, open our eyes, Lord. Come in and do this thing. You don't have to understand everything. But you do understand him when you experience his presence and his life. Um, application, let the Lord rest in you, in his love. You don't have to understand everything. Even though I have to say these things, I have to put it out. He wants it out. It has to come out, it has to be seen, it has to be talked about. But what about, what about where you're at right now in the closing of this event? Be evaluated according to the ways of this world. I, I'm going to have to step out of something and into Him. 
I'm, I'm going to have to make, I tell you, you'll have to be purposeful about what's coming out on this. You, I know you are, but you'll have to be so purposeful. You'll, you'll have to say, I'm not buying in to that rhetoric anymore. I'm not watching it. It's not a part of me. I want the tree of knowledge of good and evil out of me. I will only eat from the tree of life. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I got to let the Lord deal with me. Uh, Repent, Peter says, because the times of refreshing are coming from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing. Light coming down. The structure is beautiful. Zechariah is beautiful. The whole picture of this monarchy is beautiful. It's the most glorious thing that's coming into the earth. It's coming into the earth now. God is raising up a global government. The Holy Spirit is. It's going to overthrow every kingdom and every power. The, uh, the stone, the little stone out of Daniel 2. is The kingdom is going to slam into the feet of that broken down system. And it's going to come crumbling down. I'm a kingdom man. You're a kingdom man and woman. I was made for him. I was made for love. You were made for him. You were made for love. You're his. I'm his. Why should we be doing that other thing? Cast it off and cast yourself into the arms of the Lord. It's over, guys. The whole thing is over with. You might as well go ahead and give over to him. You might as well say, I'm done with the systems of this world and the ways of this world. I'll not be evaluated when the Lord comes back according to blue and white or blue and red. I'll be evaluated according to him himself. Oh, oh. And I'll be evaluated according to Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now I want Christ in me. Come and offend me, Lord, if you have to offend me. You've offended me so many times. I thought you were this way and you were that way and I thought you were like that and you know, you're over there. I don't ever know what you're doing, but I'm willing to just go ahead like a little child and say, hey, here I am. I don't know what to do with myself. I've been around this thing so many times as you have, but I'm gonna tell you, ever increasing glory and ever increasing light keeps coming into my soul let him come into yours. Every increasing encounter and every increasing love keeps on coming out. See, it's not so much the light that's outside of us. What he's doing is he's shining from inside of us, out from us. This transfigured glory is upon us. The tabernacling of the day and the ages is here now. Oh, it's glory, man. And every time that you suffer and every time you go through an affliction, every time someone says something, whatever, against you, and every time your enemy attacks you, all it's doing is throwing you into him. Cast Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, 
Who is the King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty? Who is the King of glory? Lift up your head, all ye gates. Lift up your, lift up your everlasting door. Oh, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. What? Oh, oh man, you mess with me, Lord. Ah! Oh, you're good. Your mercy endures forevermore. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart has not lifted up his soul to vanity. This one will receive the blessing of the Lord. Rain down, Lord. Rain down in your holy temple, Lord. Rain down on us, Lord. Oh, it's time for war. Yeah. We summon you, angelic host. We summon you. Oh, do your thing. Surely I'm coming, says the Lord, and my reward is with me. I am your exceeding great reward. I myself am. I'll Stephen sing awesome worship. Let's take communion together. And I am his promised bride, and I'm destined to wear white, and my chest is full of hope. And the dress and veil as snow And he said he'd come for me He'd know when I'm ready And my heart is aching for The coming of the Lord I must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh, I must get ready Bridegroom, come. 
my lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night. And this passion 